The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, I know we'll all remember this. Exactly one year ago tonight, it was the deadliest mass shooting in American history. 58 people were killed, including four Canadians, when a gunman opened fire on a crowd of 22,000 at a country music concert on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, This weekend, survivors from last year's concert gathered again to see country music star Jason Aldean finish the set he started one year ago. Uh, Global's Brittany Greenslade is in Vegas today. She joins us now. Hi, Brittany. Hi, good afternoon. Give us an idea of what the feeling is like there today, Brittany. You know, it's a very different feeling. I think when a lot of people think of Las Vegas, you think of the glitz and the glamour and the parties. Uh, Today, it's really been a day to remember and to reflect. Uh, We started off the morning at a sunrise ceremony uh, where we had bagpipes and we had honor guards that were there. We listened to um, a choir sing Amazing Grace. And we heard from families of victims who were killed last year. Um, There were no dry eyes. There were hundreds of people sitting there listening to these speeches and remembering what this day meant to them one year ago, what was taken from them one year ago. And for survivors that were there, it was where they still are one year later. Um, We had 58 seconds of silence, and then they released 58 doves into the air that each had the name uh, on their foot of one of those victims, so one of the 58 people that were killed uh, last October 1st. It's a very different Las Vegas than I think anybody would ever think of. Um, one of the spots that we all know so well, that Welcome to Las Vegas sign, it's a spot where every tourist that comes to Vegas stops and gets their photo taken. It's iconic. Um, There are now 58 crosses that are sitting there. It's a place where we saw people go and sit and pray this weekend and cry and reflect. Um, It is iconic for that reason, but when you stand there, you have the Mandalay Bay right behind it, Mm -hmm. and you have the 58 crosses, and it takes on a very different meaning for so many people now. You know, Brittany, I have to ask, something like this, uh, I guess, I think is uh, about closure and, you know, maybe... I don't know, supporting one another and and that sort of thing. But given the circumstances surrounding this shooting and the fact that a year later, nobody really knows why this individual did this, from the people you've spoken to, is it possible to get closure? We spoke to some survivors, uh, one from Manitoba, two women from uh, British Columbia, from Vancouver, actually, who all came down here. And that was the lingering question. They wanted to come down here to make October 1st mean something different than the last October 1st they were down here for, to um, to help move forward. Uh, Jody Ansel is the Manitoba woman that we came down uh, and followed along with as she got to meet some of the people that rescued her and saved her. And, and she sat there staring up at the Mandalay Bay, which is the hotel she was staying at last mm-hmm. year as well. She was at that country festival. She was shot in the arm. And that to her was the biggest question is why. I still don't know why. I still don't know how it can happen. Um, I still don't know how nobody knew. I think it's kind of this sense of loss and, and disbelief still one year later. She's, she's physically almost 100% healed. Her arm's at about 98% mobility now. Um, but it's that emotional scar and it's that trauma that she's still dealing with. And that's what we heard from 
from everyone down here. Um, she came down to be with the women and the police officer that helped rescue her. And for her, that was giving her a little bit more closure. Um, they have become family. She calls those two women that pulled her into their car in the middle of the street where the shooting was happening. Uh, her, her sisters, her angels, they... One woman took her shirt off and made a tourniquet around Jody's arm. But it was yeah. still, you know, two and a half hours later before she could get to the hospital. A lot of these yeah. women who were strangers, didn't know each other, were saying goodbye, helping each other call their families. Um, it's a bond that nobody can understand. And I think for them, it's it's one piece of moving forward. Um, she says she doesn't think there'll ever be closure. Um, she's been told by people, you know, it's time to move on. And she goes, it's never going to be time to move on, but I, I'll move past. Must must be so emotionally exhausting for them to to be there. I mean, you know, wanting to to uh, put a new meaning to October first to all of that stuff. I can't. I just can't imagine how emotionally exhausting it is. But to see those people and reconnect, how powerful that can be as well. Now, I understand that uh, that Jason Aldean did. Was it the concert last night? He put it back on last night. No, Jody actually went to one. It was two weeks ago for uh, okay. her um, in Toronto that she yeah. flew out. She had one day off work. And as she was on um, a bus with uh, some people heading to that concert, she was surprised and given a meet and greet oh, wow. with Jason Aldean. And, you know, she's been a, a big fan. Obviously, he was on stage when the shooting happened. That concert cut short, mm-hmm. uh, frantic end to her. And, and she said it was important for her to see him again, again on stage. Um, obviously, very emotional. But to be able to finish that concert, obviously not the same concert mm-hmm. um, in a different spot, but to be able to, to have that concert end be complete, something that she didn't get last year, um, again, a little a little piece of feeling a, a little bit yeah. more towards moving in that healing direction. You know, over the course of the year uh, since this uh, event took place, we have learned some things about the shooter, not the things that we would want to have learned. We learned that he had an estate worth $1.4 million, that he was a high roller in Vegas, that the room that he fired from was comped by the hotel, a $590 a night room because he was a high roller, um, that a service elevator was provided to him by staff to move a lot of bags upstairs um, because, again, he was a valued customer of the Mandalay Bay. Um, the fact that he took his own life, that it was not at the hands of police, that he lost his life and that it was all said and done. Are we done with information or will do you think Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo will have any more information on this or is this investigation closed? I know that we've been told that that final report has been completed. Um, that was done. They were waiting until after this anniversary to release some information because they wanted to give survivors and families, um, you know, this day to be theirs and not to have some of that final report mm-hmm. come out. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what day that is supposed to, but, you know, the police officers that we spoke to said for, for them, you know, a lot changed initially. Uh, we saw enhanced security at a lot of these hotels um, in the weeks and months after that shooting, they were wanding down um, guests as they came into the hotel. You had to have bags x-rayed. That is all done now. It was something that was put in place, you know, right away. And we see that a lot after tragedies and a lot after these mass incidents. Um, but it's kind of all back to the norm here now. 
Do you still see, like, yeah, I know Vegas Strong um, certainly became the the words after all of this happened. Is that still on display? Is that still something that is used uh, quite a bit um, in Las Vegas? It is everywhere. Um, it is deckled on a lot of the police cars. We mm. saw it today. It had been spray painted across or, you know, window painted across the back of a lot of these police cars. Um, we see it at the hockey games at the Golden Knights game. You see it absolutely everywhere around the city. But the one message that they've changed is that 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 was a motto that they owned. That was something for, you know, Las Vegas and people as they were moving forward after that to to own and to move forward with. Their new one that has come out this morning is Vegas Stronger. They said, we were strong Mm. last year. We were Vegas strong. We had to be in the wake of that tragedy in the days and the weeks to follow. But now we are stronger, and that is how we want to be remembered. So it is no longer Vegas strong. It is now Vegas stronger. You know, Brittany, just curious, you're in Vegas right now, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the last time I was down there, and I go two or three times a year, Vegas is, as you well know, an entertainment capital of the world, and it's all about people not having worries. They work quietly in the background to keep tourists safe, and police cooperate with casino security, and trouble is dealt with very quickly so as not to impede the enjoyment of its guests. But I did notice on my last trip that barriers were going up all along the strip, which would prevent a car from leaving the uh, the uh, roadway and, and hitting pedestrians. On this trip, and compare it to your last trip, did you notice any other changes like that? I know last time I spoke to you, which was the first time I was down here in Las Vegas, obviously a very different mood. We were down here covering the... Um the playoffs in the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets were here. Mm-hmm. Different mood, very different story. Um, that was my first time in Las Vegas. The one thing that I did really notice differently here was the amount of police helicopters this trip. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if that's something new that is always happening here now or if that is specific to this weekend now. It's just to, you know, make people feel a little bit safer. Um, that was the, the biggest change that we noticed. And, and there are still police everywhere. Um, that is something you see around this city 24-7 right now. Um, and it was, you know, definitely a heightened police presence, presence at the sunrise ceremony this morning. Uh, that one, you know, more so to show their respect and, and to be there for um, their fellow first responders that were involved in the incident. But you don't get a huge sense of change and difference as you're walking down, especially the Las Vegas Strip. And I think if you were somebody that was here that maybe didn't know about that incident that happened last year uh, or wasn't aware that this was the anniversary this weekend, you probably wouldn't have noticed much of a difference walking down at least the main mm-hmm. corridor here. All right. Brittany Greenslade joining us this afternoon from Las Vegas. Brittany, thank you for, for taking the time, and we'll look forward to uh, watching more of your coverage coming up on Global Tonight. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Brittany Greenslade in Vegas today. Still lots of questions. There'll be, um, you know, they, they've they've put out little bits and pieces mm-hmm. of this is what we know, you know, the service elevator and the $590 a night room that was comped and the high yep. roller business and all that sort of stuff. Um, the final report, I, I don't know if it'll answer any questions. I doubt very much that it will. There was no... Uh 
note left. There Nothing. was no, no online presence. No. There was no explanation, no warning. No. Um, I, I think probably we're just going to have to accept that it was a mental illness of some kind that caused... I don't know what how else to explain it. And I don't know that it needs to be explained beyond that. Uh, a normal, healthy, well-balanced person obviously doesn't do something like that. 2.46 on the 6.30 Chat Afternoon News. Excited to have uh, Mike Riley coming in studio just after three o'clock as part of our leadership series. I wanted to just, can I tell the story really quickly? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so it was just a weird situation. If you follow me on Twitter, I, I tweeted it out a picture of uh, me and another gentleman. But so, in a nutshell, here's the story. So, about 26, 27 years ago, I was working in a trucking company. I had no aspirations to be an entertainer. I had not ever been to a comedy mm. show in my life. I didn't know there was even a comedy club in Calgary where I was living at the time. But I had a friend, uh, more of a friend of a friend, who was putting on an amateur production, and it had dancers and singers and a sketch artist and a comedian. And I got two tickets to the show. So just like I do now, giving a couple of tickets yeah. to this person or that person, somebody gave me a couple of tickets. And I went. And before the show began, I went backstage to thank the friend of a friend for giving me the tickets. And he he was in a panic and said... I advertised that we had a comedian. We don't have a comedian. And, you know, the guy didn't show up. And I don't know what, you know, whatever. And I'm like, nobody will notice. And he was like, you know what? Would you go on stage? He goes, tell that story you told at the party the other, you know, like just, he just picked a story that I had told and said, well, just bill you as a comedian. And I said, sure. So I went on stage and told this story and bombed horribly. There's a huge difference between the structure of stand-up comedy mm -hmm. and telling a, an entertaining story around a campfire. So it was horrible. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. And he put on another one of these shows about a week later. And I phoned him and just with my personality quirk... I said, I can't leave it that way. Like, it's not something that I particularly want to do, but I don't want to always remember the one time I tried and it was complete failure. So can I do it again? Like, let me... And he said, no, we've got another... The, the comedian... Yeah, the comedian will <laughs> be there. Stay away from my stage. Right. And the other people on the show were kind of like, that was the low light of mm. the entire evening, which I'm sure it was. But he relented and he agreed. And I worked on an act all week long and jokey jokes and I showed up that night and I basically opened for the other comedian. He was a uh, been in comedy four or five years at that time and it worked better. Um, and then he said to me, listen, if you're interested in comedy, you should come to an amateur night at Yuck Yucks and you can get five minutes. And I didn't, I had never heard of, the, stuff, of Yuck yeah. Yucks. I'd never, I don't know, didn't know what an open mic was. I, you know, um, so I went and uh, he, I didn't sign up. I didn't know you had to sign up. And I just showed up and, oh, he told the manager, look, this is a friend of mine. I told him to show up. And, you know, so they got me on the show and it went better again. And then he said, this is something you need to do every week. And I said, no, like, I don't want to be a comedian. I have no interest. I just, you know. <laughs> I just didn't want to leave it like that. Right. And he was like, no, you have to keep trying. Like, honestly, I think, and he told me, I think you have an ability to do this. I think you'd be letting yourself down mm -hmm. if you didn't keep trying. Like, just even if you got five solid minutes together and you could, at a business function, yep. you could, you know. And so I kept trying. And for about a year, he would show up in Calgary, and that's where I was doing stand-up comedy as an amateur. And he would give me little tips after the show and tell me where I had improved or not improved. And um, one night within that year, 
I was in the club for an amateur night and he was there and I saw a woman across the room and I went, oh my God, look. And he said, oh, I know her. I'll introduce you. And he introduced me to Carol. <laughs> and then he quit comedy. Oh. And I didn't see him for 25 years. So I never, I always wondered where he went. Nobody was really sure. Somebody said he had died. Another person told me he got a job. And somebody else said he moved out of town. But I never heard from him or saw him again. Friday night after the show, I'm sitting in the bar that's connected to the, or not the, the laugh shop in Calgary. And I'm having a drink with the owner of the club, the general manager. And this guy walks over and he says, remember me? <laughs> and I looked at him and went, Mark Dorman. And he was like, yeah. And I go, oh my God, you got me into comedy. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I did. He goes, and I know it's working out for yeah. you. And he had followed my career for 25 years, had never reached out yeah, again, yeah. Um, watched me when I did television, listens to us sometimes on the radio. Hi, Mark. Yeah, knows everything about my career. And I said, well, what brought you here tonight? And he said, it's the funniest thing because he stopped going to comedy clubs two decades ago. But he was driving home from his retirement dinner at the casino down the street, and he had just said goodbye to his career, and he looked up and saw the club and thought, man, I have not been in there in 25 years. Oh, just happened to walk in. Just walked in, and, and he you said, were you were the first person I saw when I walked in. How wow. incredible is that? Wow. Yeah. We had a few drinks that night. I bet you you did. <laughs> you can tell me about the rest of it right now. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.